0: Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. I just praise you, Lord. I thank you so much for your spirit, for your word that refreshes us, that encourages us, that strengthens us. We are your people, Lord. We love to draw near your presence, to feed on your presence, to be inspired by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this word this morning, Lord. Encourage us and strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 10. We'll start there. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Familiar scripture for many of us. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want to go back to verse number nine. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his sinless life and his death on the cross and his resurrection, became our savior. He's the savior of the world. But we don't receive him just as our savior. The Bible says we're supposed to confess him as we confess that Jesus is Lord. And the word Lord there it is as in master or owner. And it, it, it means one who has complete sovereignty over our lives. And we, str- we struggle with that. You know, I was, I was going to, titled, I titled this message, Making Jesus Lord. But I, th- I think that's not quite right. I think it's more, probably more accurate to say allowing Jesus to be the Lord. Because we have free will. And the degree that God comes into our life, the degree that God shapes us and molds us is up to us. I've said it so many times before that all of us today are as close to God today as we have chosen to be. Not as he wants us to be but as we have chosen. Because we decide how much of God we're going to, how much of our lives we're going to surrender to him. And how much we're going to let him in and change us. So we we battle that. As if there's a battle going on. It says, Paul wrote it in Galatians. He says the war there's a, a war between the flesh and the spirit. and And so God, by His Spirit, wants to come into our lives and take over completely, but we we battle that sometimes. Remember what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter six, which says, "Or oh, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own?" This is a scripture that I just it goes off in me a lot. I just reminding myself that I've been bought with a price; therefore, glorify God in your spot, in your body and your spirit, which are God's. But your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you're not your own, the Bible says. And it was, I, don't, I'm not, I belong to somebody. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Making Jesus Lord, surrendering to his complete uh, control over our lives is an assignment that we struggle with. We have to work on all of, our, all of the time that we're saved. But that's easier said than done. I want to look at one example this morning. If you want to turn with me to Matthew, I just want to share a little bit about making Jesus Lord. Matthew 19, in verse beginning in verse 16. It's a little bit lengthy scripture, but I want to, I just want to read the read it all. It's the story of the rich young what we call the rich young ruler. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And then he said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and you and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, All these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Who then can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. A rich young ruler. Who is he? Well, he's a moral man. He keeps the commandments. He's not—he's not riddled with hidden sins or vices. When Jesus lists several of the commandments, he's like, "Yep, that's me. I'm doing all that. No problem." He's not bragging. He's—he's just stating a fact. That's who he is. And others—others who knew him probably would say the same thing. He's a—he's a nice guy. He's honest. He's religious, and he's wealthy. He's acquired well, so he must he must be good. He must be a good man. Because people back then, and maybe maybe to some degree today, people back then used to feel like if if God used to feel like God blesses the good people and he punishes the wicked. If if you if you're a good person, God'll bless you. If you're a wicked person, God'll judge you. Yeah, I was when I was preparing my notes, I don't know my my mind went back to uh, a scene from the movie, uh, The Sound of Music, when uh, there's a scene in there where uh, Captain Von Trapp and Maria are in a, in, a, in a gazebo, and they're sharing their love. The first time, they're just kind of revealing their true feelings for one another, and, uh, and he, sings, he sings to her, he says, for here you are, standing here, loving me whether or not you should. And she replies, she sings to him, so somewhere in my youth and childhood, I must have done something good. See, this, this wonderful experience she's having must be the result of something she did. God is blessing her for something she did good. And that's, that's not always true. You know, in, my, in my Bible reading, my, just my everyday Bible reading right now, I'm into Job. And uh, Job was a good man. But sometimes bad things happen to good people, you know. When, when my wife and I were out of ministry for back in ninety, back around ninety, yeah, about a long time ago, we 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 had a for those of you who we had a church. We merged with another church. We lost a bit. We were out of ministry for a couple of years, two or three years. And we, we the 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 organization that I'm ordained with. Had their annual conference in Texas, and i felt I just felt to go because old Roberts was going to be the keynote speaker, so we got down there and uh and his message that night was sometimes bad things happen to good people and boy i tell you that was a message for us right then and there because we thought we'd been wronged and everything was against us and uh, but it happens that way it's not, but that 's job 's friends job 's friends had that that uh, that theory, that that belief. They have that belief that God blesses the righteous and punishes the wicked. And they kept saying, we see what's going on in your life. You must have sin in your life. God's punishing you for your sins because we know he blesses righteous people and he judges the wicked, and you're being judged by God. And God showed them that that was wrong, but that was their opinion. But so the, so the rich young ruler must be a, a really good man because God seems to be blessing him. And this is the kind of this is the kind of guy a pastor wants in his church. He's a good man. His life is together, and uh, and besides that, he's humble to a point because he, he's, he's, he he feels like there's something missing in his life, something's not quite right. So he, in verse 20, he asked he asked Jesus. He says, "What am I still lacking? Well, something in me is, something in me is is sensing that I'm missing it." And Jesus gives him an answer that offends him and makes him leave. Because Jesus cuts right to the chase. He gets to the core issue. I wonder how many people today feel like something is missing in their life. I'm not talking about salvation. I know that with me, that's, that's what led me to the Lord I had I had everything I was supposed to was supposed to make me happy, but I wasn't happy. I, something I thought I kept saying is this all there is to life? I don't know why that, that question kept kind of rising up inside me. Is this, this all there is to life? I thought flying was going to be was was going to be totally satisfying, and it was losing its, its 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 glitter, and I was not satisfied with life. And God began to deal with me. But I'm not talking about I'm talking about people that are saved, even people that know God, that have been walking with God. You can still have a nagging feeling on the inside that I'm missing it somewhere. You know, God deal with me. Let me know what it is. So it's like he feels like I'm missing it, whatever it is. And Jesus cuts right to the chase. He says, It's an issue of your surrender to me. He, the rich young ruler basically wants to live his life the way he's living it. He he's gone far enough. He's given as as much to God as he wants to give, and that's that's a that's a problem for a lot of people that walk with God. You know, when we when we come to God, we allow God to start cleaning us up the language, the some of the some of the things we've been doing. God says cut them out, so we do. Maybe maybe the smoking, maybe the drinking, whatever. Maybe we stop partying, we stop doing drugs. But then God after a while God starts to get to the to real issues, attitudes, habits, certain things that we do that God wants to surrender us to surrender to him and it becomes a little more difficult. Because people feel like I've I've given enough, I've gone far enough. What more do I have to give? But it's all about surrender. It's all about giving up everything and, and allowing him to come into our lives. Remember what it says in Revelation? Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And that's not just salvation. That's in every aspect of our life. He stands at the door and knocks and says, you're going to let me in. You're going to let me in this part of your house. Is there a room room that's boarded off? And you say, I don't want you to go in there. There's some stuff in there I don't want you to see. Jesus says, let me in. Let me clean it up. And you'll be a better person. Giving it all up was too much to ask. Was too high of a price. See, he felt like he was rich young ruler felt like he was obeying the commandments, but he was violating the most important one, the first one, which is, "I am the Lord thy God. I shall have no other gods before me." But he had a he had a god. His life it was his money. And Jesus is saying, "If you're really surrendered to God, nothing should come before Him. Nothing should be more important than Him." You should be more, will- more than willing to give up anything, to change anything, to do anything he asks because of what he's done for you. You know, I was thinking, Peter and, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Matthew the tax collector, when Jesus came by and called them, the Bible says they immediately, they left everything and followed him. Peter and Andrew, James and John had had a, a fishing business, they had boats, they had nets, but they left everything and followed him. Matthew was a tax collector. He was, real, he was wealthy, he had a position of wealth. He left everything and followed Jesus. When Jesus comes, <coughs> excuse me, when Jesus comes, that's, his, that's what he requires of all of us. And my entire life, spirit, soul, and body. But the rich young ruler couldn't, couldn't, couldn't bring himself to do it. possible to be saved and have an idol in your life something that you don't want to give up if you're going to come and follow me Jesus says you have to give it up I was thinking of Reinhard Bunke when God came to him years ago Reinhard Bunke was a, a powerful evangelist and God, God spoke to him years and years ago when he called him he said I've given you Africa and Reinhard Bunke said why are you giving it to me God and God said I've tried to give it to two others and they said no so we don't We don't have to do what God asks us to do we can we can say no. The rich young ruler said no to giving up his money, but God came to Abraham and said, "I want your son, but what did Abraham say? Yes, Lord he went took the immediately he took the wood and took his son and headed, headed for Mount Moriah to sacrifice he was willing to give his son because when God asked he was he wasn't going to hold anything back, and that's the way we need to be that's where I, I'm asking God every day, God, help me to know my my faults, my weaknesses, so I can surrender them to You. You know our weaknesses. We have a trouble. We have trouble seeing them. He didn't. This this young man, this rich young ruler, he didn't know he had this problem. But Jesus exposed it. I guess our weaknesses. Someone once said, our weaknesses are like bad breath. Everybody knows you have it, but you don't. And it's right under your nose. But everybody else, everybody else can see it. We don't see ourselves sometimes for who we really are. But when God shows us who we are, we can be humble and admit it, and surrender it to God, or we can be offended, and say no. It's up to us. God's not doing it to humiliate us. He's doing it because He loves us. He wants us to. Have, he wants to give us the best. And this same story is it's also. In Mark's gospel. And in Mark's gospel it says, just, just before Jesus said this one thing you lack. And it's in Mark's Gospel it says, Jesus looked at him and loved loved him. He loved him. He was he really wants the best for him. And he wants the best for us. My life will only be really fulfilled when I'm totally surrendered to what God wants. Jesus is dealing with him the same way that you deal with somebody who maybe who has a problem with alcohol. You know, the Bible... I don't know if I should say this. The Bible doesn't say you shouldn't drink. I choose not to. I, I got no desire to drink. But the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't drink. It says you shouldn't get drunk. But for an alcoholic, someone who's got a problem with it, you might say to him, you can't, ever, you can't ever drink again. You can't ever take a drink because you're, because of, of that weakness in your life. And that's what he's saying. The problem is not the money. The problem is the money... The importance that money has for this young man. Jesus is saying, "You need to give up that thing that you think will bring you fulfillment in your life without God. Anything that we think will give us fulfillment without 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 God has to go. We have to let it go. See how many people, how many people today feel?" they have a They have a dream on the inside, they probably never would say it, but they have a dream on the inside, and they feel like if I could just whatever if I could just win the lottery, I'd be happy. If I could just marry this person or that person, I'd be happy what what's really going to make us happy is being in the will of God, Amen. making him Lord, surrendering everything to him, and not holding anything back. not putting anything in the way. The reason why. Some people are not happy it's because they're trying to stay in control. I'm going to lose control of my life and give it to God. You know, give, give it to God and watch what God will do with it. I was thinking of the little boy's lunch. When Jesus took the little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 people, men, the Bible says, not including women and children. That was all the food he had. And you could say, wait a minute, this, this is all the food I've got left. In fact, if you take it, I might not be satisfied, but if you give it to God, watch what he does with it. He'll satisfy you and everybody else around you. Jesus said to this young man, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Sadly, it was more important for him to have treasure on earth than treasure in heaven. True Christianity is giving Jesus first place in everything. Never letting anything come between him and us. Never, never letting anything be, be more important than he is in our life. If we do, if we do that, if we totally surrender to him, he'll give us a whole new life. And that's treasure. That's beyond measure. So I just want to just put it out there. Is there anything in your life that, that you can't give up to serve God? Some people it might be unforgiveness. They might be harboring unforgiveness. They don't, want they don't want to let it go. Somebody offended them. Somebody hurt them. And they're angry and they're upset. And the Bible says we need to forgive, but they say, no, I can't. Well, you, you can, but you don't want to. Don't let that block you. Don't let anything block what God wants to do in your life. Surrender to him as Lord. Let him really be the Lord of your life. Let him come in and, and do whatever he wants, spirit, soul, and body, and you'll be amazed how, what a blessing your life can be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.